And we are back in the break room, man. Episode 20, me, Charles Carter, the third. Right in front of me, man, my boy Evan is back with us, man. So what's up, bro? Hey, man, just, you know, out here another day, uh... It's not been the best week, but we're here. Yeah, it's it's the hey, yeah, like I mean, we were just talking about it not too long ago, man. And um, actually, like not to, I guess, start the episode off on a bad note, but um, somebody wanted to speak on like not too. Uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, you know, a lot of viewers probably didn't know, but uh, my grandfather had passed maybe a month and a half ago. Now I think it's been a month and a half. Was it March? Yeah, some some like around like a month and a half ago. So. Um, Things people might not know, he suffered from a little bit of dementia and um, things like that, and kind of took a toll on his on his health, on other things of his health. And he was hospitalized at one point and things like that. So then he until his eventual passing, right? And so um, I guess things I wanted to speak on. I know my um, my family was taking care of him, not just my personal family, but like you know my cousins. We all kind of pitched in. My grandmother more specifically and my uncle because they kind of lived with him and so the only reason I kind of brought that up is because I actually pretty recently I kind of saw somebody kind of I guess dealing with those same kind of things in the store with somebody who was kind of suffering from dementia all the time so some, something like that something similar and so um, I, kind of, I kind of just wanted to send some thoughts and prayers out to those people who you know are going through things like that things of just life you know so um definitely thinking of you all um just if you know somebody who's kind of dealing with those things uh reach out to them see if they need anything because that is definitely tough when you're kind of dealing with a close family member and you know not of their own you know doing but they just might not remember who you are what's going on and things like things can just be confusing and so uh reach out to them be there for them and do what you can for them and um now go ahead if you want to say some uh Evan. Oh yeah, you know, I really don't have much to say, but you know, always love your people, you know, especially if they show love to you, you know. Spend whatever time you can, you know, whether you think it's the last time you're going to see them or you think you're going to see them in a couple of days cuz that's just what happened to me. I had um unfortunate news this morning of the passing of one of my friends, Jay. He um I was supposed to see him today. He went out of town and unfortunately uh, didn't make it back. But, you know, prayers out to his family. And, um, yeah, you know, he'll be missed for sure. Appreciate it, man. Look, appreciate you for sharing, uh, sharing that piece of yourself with not just me but the listeners as well, man. I know we don't take that for granted, and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, also prayers out to Jay's family as well, not just, you know, from me as well. But moving forward, you know, we got a nice little show for y'all, man. I couldn't make it in last week. It was supposed to be just a solo episode. Everyone going to be with me that time. But, man, I got the COVID vaccine, right? And that was my second dosage or second shot, whatever you call it, right? I knew I got the second shot, and I was down bad. Like, I couldn't couldn't stand up for, like, more than five minutes when I wanted to sit down. But then, like, so I I was in the studio, but I I couldn't really function. So I'm like, man, let me go home so I don't, like, collapse on the road if I stay here too long and it gets too bad. Those of you who don't know, I have, so I have a night job, too, so I went to work. 
And then I couldn't stand up for like more than like 10 minutes because I was like down in Gatorades trying to like give myself like a huge sugar rush trying just to stay up and move around and do stuff. So I was like, oh man, I can't even function. So like I couldn't stand up more than like 10, 15 minutes without wanting to lay down and sit down and stay up under the fan and do all this other stuff. If you wonder why I say a fan and not AC, it's because I work in a warehouse. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, bro, it was bad. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't do much of nothing. So I didn't even go to, I had a summer class. I couldn't, I didn't go the next day. And so, bro, yeah, it was bad. So that's why episode 20 didn't happen last week. It's happening now. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, I'm better now. So like, yeah, it was like a, it was like only happened for like a day or a day and a half too. Yeah, I got a couple of friends. Same thing happened. They'll be like really, really sore. They kind of just feel like the guy almost got like a cold or whatever in the next yeah, day. Yeah, bro. Like it was like almost like I don't know if you had the flu before, right? Oh, you never had the flu? Nah. God, bless. I have a great immune system, bro. What? Okay, yes, so praise God. So yeah, bro, I had the. It was like having a flu. Like I felt tender to the touch. Like touching. Like even like. Bumping into something felt like I got hit with a bat. Like it was just, it was bad. Like it was, it was all of like all of like forty eight hours or thirty some hours. It wasn't even like a full two days, but like a day and a half. So, but yeah, I'm good now. So moving on, bro. We got a nice little show for y'all, man. Uh, first thing we wanted to get into. Congratulations to the Bucks. I rooted against you because I wanted Chris Paul to get one. I wanted him to remain notably a top five point guard of all time, but that's he's probably filled with to fifteen now, maybe. Like that. Yeah, I think that top five uh ship has sailed. Bro, he's not even gonna beat Charles Barkley. Like I wanted because in my opinion, he's a better guard than Charles Barkley was. You know, but Charles Barkley at least has the MVP. You know, so like it's I don't I don't know, bro. I was, yeah, Barkley did lose to Jordan. Exactly, well, he so. lost to Jordan. So it's I mean, we don't know what Giannis is going to be remembered as you know, when he retires. But I mean, he's on the right track. I'm not going to say he's Jordan, but yeah, at the age of 26, he's already got his resume basically almost filled out. He's just got to continue to you know tick other boxes out there. You know, he's got his first ring. He's probably going to try to get some more. So already get two MVPs. He seems to be in the contention almost every year for it now. Right. He might be able to get another one or two. And defensive player of the year, you know, he's like that. So he's already got one under his belt, and I can see him winning another one. And also, like, shut up the critics about his free throw shoot, man. Didn't he only miss, like, one? Was one or two? I yeah, he remember. went 17 of 19. Bro. <laughs> And we were talking about his free throw shooting the entire playoffs, but like he's like he might be the most improved free throw shooter of all time because like in the first two games I'm like bro he has to change that, and then like I remember early on in the playoffs I was saying Giannis has no bag like he has no bag of tricks to go into because he was getting locked up by a Blake Griffin who we thought couldn't dunk anymore, and so yeah, bro, like what he was on like. The masterpiece that he showed us in Game Six was crazy. Off a, a hyper extension, like maybe not even like what eight days ago. Nah, you man, Giannis was going in. Giannis showed us like he got more. Matt, Giannis, when Giannis made a three, Yammer, you hit me. You take Giannis yeah, for three. Yeah, I texted him. I was like, oh no, <laughs> so Giannis for three. <laughs> we like, oh man, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, and Chris didn't even have like a really bad game. He had a decent game. It was just. I don't know. Like, it, it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. Book, it just wasn't enough. And really, okay, this is what I thought when I was watching it. I was thinking, one, they have nothing for Giannis. They don't have enough size. The team is small itself. Mm-hmm. And nobody's, okay, nobody's strong enough to get with Giannis. Let me say that. And then they just didn't have enough size. Like, it was, 
I didn't know what that necessarily really was. Like, Giannis started making every shot he attempted, like, towards the end of the game. Middleton was making everything. Yeah, they definitely got hot at the absolute right time. And, yeah, going back to what you said about them not having the size, I know we talked about it the last time I was on the show with mm-hmm. you was that, like, who do you expect when DeAndre Ayton goes to the bench to, like, be the big man and, like, Frank Kaminsky? Yeah, bro. And he actually he actually showed you something. He actually did, like— Yeah, he had he, six points in 11 yeah. minutes. Woohoo! <laughs> he did something, but he just wasn't—it wasn't enough, bro. Yeah, it wasn't like, game-changing or anything like that. He just went out there and, you know— Shot three or four, did what he was really asked to do, but you know, two boards. You know, it, it, it's just it's just really hard when you don't have the size and like you said, the the strength or anything. Because Jay Crowder, he, he he's a really good defender. Like mm. he's an elite defender and he yeah. can shoot too. But man, he just him guarding Giannis, like the size difference there is, it, it's not a favorable matchup at all. It's not, man. And I this is okay. The main thing I hated about the playoffs was well, the finals was. I hated that Chris Paul didn't get a ring because the only way he's going to get a ring now is if he links up with LeBron. That's the only thing I see. Like, he's not getting it again. Also, Bobby Portis. I'm not a Bobby Portis fan. I, I said this on a, on a tweet I made, man. I said Bobby Portis looks like a villain from a Disney movie called My Court. You know, like, <laughs> he had the head. I, I don't I don't like his face for whatever reason. It just, it just doesn't sit well with me. It's respectable. Yeah, and so, <laughs> yeah, bro, like, I, when... When they made him look like Iguodala in 2016, like 2016 Iguodala, I was like, bro, he's having like 16, 17 points for for what? Like, he was blocking shots. Like, yeah, bro, I couldn't. I don't. I don't. I cannot co-sign Bobby Porter's success. Like, I don't. I, I don't need that. Yeah, he popped out at the right time, man. Hey, he said it was time to close. T- time to get this ring. Bro, in the in the post, uh, in the presenting of the trophies too, Drew Holiday said something about having a key to the city. Somebody, uh, Bobby Portis having a key to the city. He said, maybe I'd be a better player if I had a key to the city like Bobby Portis. And I was like, did they really give to this guy, the Disney character? I mean, hey, I knew he's a fan favorite, but if he has uh, a key to the city, then um, Milwaukee's got some serious uh, reevaluating to do. You know, hey, maybe he's a <laughs> huge community guy, and he does. You know, if, if he gives back, sure, well, I guess. But I mean, oh yeah, that, that, that's a very fair point. I, 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 guess, I, I can co-sign that. You know, I if can, he's doing humanitarian work, I guess. You know, if he's giving, if he's giving, you know, he's helping people. I guess but basketball success. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's almost like how people, some people didn't like Draymond for no reason. Like I, you know. Scoring five points and screaming, you know, like I, I don't know, I don't know. I just have something against Bobby Portis, but I mean, what what else did you see in the game, man? I saw Devin Booker just dismantle, bro. It it, it, it honestly hurt because I, I I really like Devin Booker as a player. I think he's got the right mindset. I think he's progressed well, and now was his time to to put it all together, kind of. You know, like he could have had a a series like Giannis. I mean, he came out was just really inconsistent. Honestly, he'll come out give you. 27 and then he'll come around give you 10 points oh but then I'm gonna drop 40 like I, I just I, I I don't know why he is not as consistent as he should be he seemed like he was getting the same shots same looks he wasn't taking bad shots you know he's very smart you know I'm, I'm perfectly okay with him shooting the fadeaway especially down the baseline and everything like that's his shot and it just wasn't falling I mean I don't know if it was a psychological thing or a physical thing that we don't know about but I, w- I would have just liked to see more from Devin Booker in that last game especially when he 
was just shooting horrible from three. Oh, seven from three. Wow. Like every time he just shot, I was like, oh, please, no. Just <laughs> like, bro, work your way into the paint if you can. Try to kick it, man. Try to try to get the midi going. Just the three, it, it was hard to watch because I like him, honestly. Yeah, and like it was just really looking like it just really wasn't their night. Like towards the end, the game was still within reach. It mm-hmm. just no shot was really falling and the books were making everything and I don't think anybody anticipated Giannis hitting those free throws like bro no, but nobody man what you say I don't even think Giannis did yeah yeah 17 and 19 bro and I don't know man like the whole okay well, not only did I want Chris Paul to get him a ring before he retires but I wanted also I wanted a game 7 like I wanted I wanted the pinnacle of an NBA finals you know a game 7 oh yeah and because Giannis has been exploding the entire series, he started off small and ended huge. You know what I mean? So I can't like I can't even get past the hyper extension. How he still he dropped a quiet twenty game one and off a of hyper extension, and then he just continued to build. Yeah, he came. I don't think this, anybody expected him to have the historical finals that he did coming coming off of that knee injury. Like, yeah. and it didn't even look good. It didn't look good at all. At all. It didn't, it didn't like sound good small. at first. <laughs> like, no, nothing about it seemed like, oh, yeah, Giannis is about to come out here and to dominate and have one of the best finals we've ever seen. People but, expected him to miss, like, at least maybe one or two games. Like, it was... It didn't look good at all. If you don't know what his injury look, go back and look like look at Giannis's hyperextension because that thing was his knee bent completely backwards like a goat knee. Like you know, yeah, that that it was weird. Yeah, Giannis, uh, he's actually the second player with three forty point and ten rebound games in a final series. So that dude is a bad, bad man. He's in the same company with Shaq in that department. So, I mean, hey, uh, it's about time I think that he's going to start getting more respect. And I feel like the one reason why he wasn't getting the respect before is because he couldn't, you know, reach the finals to begin with. You know, he got there and then he won it the first time. So I feel like that's a good look for him. And I think he's already... uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, hot take here. He's already submitted his uh, Hall of Fame ballot. If he, if he oh, retired today, definitely. he wouldn't make the Hall of Fame. Definitely. Uh, definitely by NBA standards. Because, like I said, you don't even need to win a finals to be in the, in the Hall of Fame. You don't need to be an MVP to want be in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree. And that effort that he gave on defense with five blocks, bro, like, that um that could have been his triple-double stat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was yeah. going in. Some of them, like, got called for goaltending. And so, like, he could have had more than just five. Yeah, he was going in. But another question I wanted to add was about Devin Booker, man. And so, I know you like that. You love Devin Booker, man. And I think he's a great player, too. But do you think that, that's when I say the media, I mean, like, us, people who watch the, watch the game, love the game, and commentate on it, do you think that we made too high of expectations for Devin Booker? Did we make him bigger than what he was or what he actually is? Because I know the Kobe comparisons came out, and like Kobe was a mentor to him. That those are facts. That's a very very good question. Over because and but also Devin Booker because there were critics early on in his career because Devin Devin Booker was always a walking bucket, mm-hmm. but they didn't win. They had horrible seasons. They had some eighteen game win seasons, some twenty game, some twenty two game win seasons, and so now at the pinnacle at the moment. You had Chris Paul to kind of put you over the hump, and also, I mean, not to kind of minimize their 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 run, but you had some injuries. This now was the time, and so now you get to the moment, and you get to a pretty well balanced. The, the odds weren't stacked against them. Like the Bucks are a great team, but they weren't so massive that we expect them mm-hmm. to just dominate or run through the Sun. Oh, yeah, the the Suns definitely, if not 
like in Vegas if they weren't the favorite, like amongst like the people, they were yeah, definitely the favorite. It exactly. seemed like so. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's not like they were at like a huge disadvantage or anything. And so and so with that being said, do we think as as even as the playing field really was, and you had an injured Giannis coming in, as level as the playing field was, what do we think of Devin Booker now? Like, what is he really? Is he a guy? Is he just an inconsistent guy? Is he not really as good as we thought he was? Like, some people ranked him lower than, um, I think it was in the, because how old is Devin Booker? I can't remember. Um, Man, he's still rather young. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah, in the, in the top 25, uh, 25 players, I don't even think he was in the top 10, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but I know he wasn't top five. And so, with that being said, and I know I gave a lot of grief to us that I was very upset because I'm like, Devin, well, one, they had LaMelo Ball at number three, and that was ridiculous. But with that being said, and us seeing what we've seen, we've seen his inconsistencies, which you just pointed out. I mean, was the moment too big for him? I mean, because he had the talent to meet it. You know, he he dropped none. He had numbers, but was was wildly inconsistent. And so we like we also emphasized like we saw a lot of Kobe in his game. He has a lot of Kobe moves. He does. Also, we talked about his mentality. He has an attacking mentality. He'll take it if he needs to. And so with all of that. I mean, what are we? What is he now? Like, does our view of him change? Is it just one finals, and we'll see if he gets another, or is it kind of like, no, we were right about you to start with. You were you really kind of not that guy. I think he exceeded expectations. Like, as a player, he's exceeding them in the last like couple of years. Mm. Like, let's go back to last year in the bubble. What did they go? A and O. Yeah. And he was he was the guy leading that charge. There was no Chris Paul there. Like he had a what rookie DeAndre Ayton or no second year DeAndre Ayton mm. like coming out there and you I mean you you didn't really know what they were gonna do and they were like all right you know they're gonna be the you know washed out then there's no chance they're gonna make the play in well pfft, man they, they they went undefeated and you know they barely you know missed the playoffs but I think that kind of like put him on a stage that's like all right you know when when asked to do it he he can be that guy. So going into this year, I think adding Chris Paul and everything, I, their their expectations amongst themselves were probably very, very high. They probably expected themselves to go to the finals. But throughout the rest of the media and the consensus, nobody really saw the Suns, you know, being the second seed in the West. Yeah. And then going on to the finals, taking out LeBron in the first round. Like, nobody Crazy. saw that. So I think the achievements that he's had over the last two years, I, I wouldn't say that, like, I he, like, folded or, like, had, like, image-changing series I, I think people should still be very very proud of him for what he's done because i mean the dude's out here still dropping 42 and stuff like when when asked you know he he can have a good game but the inconsistency i don't think it'll tarnish him i still think he's a top tier player and i mean he, he, the list you were talking about he, he's one of the best players um under 25 for sure i definitely think he's in that donovan mitchell type mm-hmm type of realm really to where like both both of them can get it done and that they're going to be like the next big things but it's just not quite their time yet like they're, they're like they're like scratching at their prime i don't think that they've either one of them have hit it but um while talking about list and um that top 10 list we were just talking about with the um, tw- 25 or the the, the top 25 so players under 25, 25 yeah. yeah yeah there you go <laughs> a lot of 25s <laughs> I saw one that Colin Coward had put out, and like everybody's going back out and uh, like calling him out for it. He didn't put Giannis as one of the top ten remaining players in the NBA uh, uh, playoffs. At I believe it was at, at the second round, he wasn't in the top ten. 
he had like Kyrie in there. Like I remember Kyrie was like sixth. And I was like, how are you going to put Kyrie at six and not even have Giannis there in general? Yeah. What, yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I wish I could see the list. Hey, yeah, bro. That, that was ridiculous, bro. Oh, yeah. We can pull it up right now. Hold on. All right. Yeah. So at one, he had KD. Okay. Respect. I'm, I'm with it. Two, he had Kawhi. Three, he had Chris Paul. You what? Four was James Harden. Five was Donovan Mitchell. Six was Kyrie. Seven, he had Jokic. Eight, he had Trey Young. Nine, he had D Book. And then ten, he had Joel Embiid. What? Okay, Chris Paul shouldn't be there. Yeah, at three? Yeah, at three? Yeah. Yeah, no. no. That that's where I, I could even put Giannis at two at that point. Like I, Kevin Durant being at one, all right. Oh, I'm not yeah, gonna I'm, I'm not gonna no, dispute against that. You can't do that. Like yeah, Kevin Durant belongs at one. Especially with how Giannis was shooting free throws at that time. It, it was just probably yeah. not a good look for him. But, yeah, man, like J- James Harden and Kyrie, like players that have been like injured and stuff, they're not even like playing. How how are they going to be ranked higher than yeah. and you said when this the came back-to-back out? MVP? Yeah. You said this came out in the second round of the playoffs? Or June 9th, actually. June 9th. Yeah, June 9th. It's crazy, man. Chris Paul shouldn't be there. KD, like I said, I'm not going to argue with that at all. Kawhi, eh? Uh, I mean, Kawhi belongs in that list, but two? See, Kawhi, you know, this might be a hot take here. I feel like Kawhi is one of those players that his stock has been dropping in the last couple of years, like, hard. Like, people will be like, oh, he's for sure, like, a, a top three player in the NBA. It's like, now... Dude might be just holding on to top 10. Like, there's a lot of talent, and he keeps getting hurt, and this low management is, is starting to come back on him because, mm-hmm. A, it's not worked, and then, B, it's like you're missing opportunities to step up into other games and, you know, be more of that guy. And, you know, Kawhi's kind of been fading away just a little bit. I think so. Okay. I can – given that, I can almost – I can go with that. It's the only, only thing I, I would say is that – we saw Paul George, and we knew what he would have been with Kawhi. Like, I don't think it would have been a contest with that with Kawhi in there. You know what I mean? So, granted, Paul George did prove something to me. I don't know about everybody else. Because I, I thought Paul George completely dropped out of the top 25. Like, I didn't think he was that guy at all. Definitely, I mean, your second – you can be a second best player in a great situation, like the Clippers, right? But, yeah, I thought he completely fell out of the top 25. He proved me wrong, and he showed he could still do it. I mean, they didn't win. That might have saved his career, honestly, because that pandemic P was starting to take a hold of his, it was, his name. It was literally snatching his name up, and there was nothing he could do about it. But, hey. Hey, he hooped about it, which hooped. is the only way to he do hooped. it. He hooped. He hooped. And so, yeah, I can go with that. I don't – James James Harden is, for me, after Kevin Durant, the best scorer in the league right now. For me. Right after Kevin, it's James. Nobody can get a bucket quicker than James or easier than James. Let me say that. That goes for free throws. That goes um, for the shot. Everything. Nobody's getting there better than James than Ke- other than Kevin Durant. After that, um, now if you're going two-way players, that's a completely different argument for me. Like, James isn't the best defender. Sure. And that's where Kawhi used to be like the top tier two way yeah. guy. Now it's like offensively, you're not you're not getting what he could be. You're not getting like peak Kawhi. And I feel like that's what when you're a max contract player and you're you know you have all the attention, you're getting whatever days off. You play basketball when you want to. It's kind of like the same Kyrie thing. It's like you got to come out and play your best. Yeah. 
like I understand that, you know, if you're not playing all the time and, you know, you're missing games, you know, playing two games, not playing back-to-backs, it might be a little harder to get into a rhythm, but there's just no excuses at that point, man. You're making, what, $40 million a year? Yeah. You got to go out there and hoop. You know what? And I think also he's living off of – not going off what you said, and I do agree with this point, he's got to play some games. Like you're missing opportunities to like – for people to like – to one safe perception of yourself because you're missing games with load management and you're getting injured after that. So, like, what's the whole load management thing even for? Also, he's going to still living off some of the glory from beating the Warriors. Granted, they were hurt. You know what I mean? Half of them were beat up, and you know, all, you, all you had was Boogie working out there by himself. But he's still the guy who went to Toronto, brought Toronto their first championship, and they beat the Warriors. You know what I mean? So, I think it's still some of that. Um, also, still some of the what was it? I'm trying to trying to remember. What him clamping LeBron? Yeah, I, some of that, like some of that, you know, air quotes clamping, right? With the Spurs and then the Finals MVPs. I'm trying. It was some specifically. I'm trying to remember, but I can't. I can't think of it. But anyway, I guess moving forward, not necessarily any, any too much that he's done like currently with the Clippers because the Clippers haven't done anything. They we thought they they were predicted to be. The team in L.A., the new team in L.A., but no, it's still the Lakers like it's probably always going to be. Yeah. So L.A. is always going to be a Laker town. Like, even the Clippers can win back-to-back championships. It's still, still going to be, be a Lakers, Lakers town. town. Yeah. So um, that's going to be all for our NBA. But before I leave there, man, I want to tell you about Bake My Day. Serving sweet dreams with decadent southern desserts with original and flavored tea cakes, Snickers, caramel pecan. You like pecan stuff? Oh, yeah. Okay. Me too. Peanut and buttercup. New Orleans bourbon bread pudding, strawberry lemon cheesecake, and caramel banana pudding. Just to name a few. You like bread pudding? No, yeah. Me too. Here, everything is homemade. They don't judge when you indulge. And we're also vegan and keto friendly. Yeah, I never ever. Hey. Hey, that's always good. That means it's open for everybody. Hey, hey, yeah. They got some for everybody, man. So go check them out. Bake my day. You can find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook as well. Check them out. Order some today. We'll see you in a few minutes on the Break Room Podcast. Check us out. What's going on? And we are back in the break room, man. Here, my boy Evan, me again, Charles. You know the voice, you know the time, you know what it is. And so, first thing we get into, man, we're going to get into some NFL wide receiver core, man. This is actually going to be introduced by my boy. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, so uh, I had posted my top 10 wide receiver cores going into the 2021 NFL season. You know, I had to wait for uh, Julio Jones, that whole madness, to yeah. shape itself out before I could post it out because I had it ready to go. And once I figured out where Julio went, that completely changed the dynamic of it. So I went back to doing it. You know, this is all post-draft, post-free agency. It's got mm-hmm. it all updated for you. And um, you want to start it? You want to start at 10 or you want to start with one? Let's, let's build up. Let's build up. All right, all right. So at number 10, I got the Seattle Seahawks. And they're highlighted by the the freak himself, DK Metcalf, yeah. as well with Tyler Lockett and rookie wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge and then Gerald Everett coming out as the tight end for them. So when I put this little list together, I basically just uh, comprised the receiving core as – you know, your slot receivers, your outside receivers, and your tight ends. Mm-hmm. Like, not not running backs because the, the way they get the ball and stuff is, is a little different. So I just yeah. wanted to stick to, like, what is this passing attack really going to look like? And I went with 
Seahawks at 10. And just kind of go over them real quickly. I, I really feel like DK Metcalf is one of the more uh, prominent receivers emerging in this league. He's he's just dominant, man. He can he can win almost any way. You know, you like to see his route running get a little bit better. And Tyler Lockett, I feel like, is a very slept on wide receiver. I mean, he, he he's a wide receiver one in this league. I mean, he's short. You know, people always look at him. He always five ten. He can't do things, but this dude. Him and Russell Wilson have a legit connection, mm. and this dude does not drop passes, especially not in the red zone. He's a touchdown machine, so I put them at number 10. Okay, I'm with that. And then at number 9, you know, we're going to stay in the NFC West. The Los Angeles Rams, they have themselves mm. a nice little core. And the one good thing about the Rams and the reason why I put them so high is they don't have the top-tier talent mm. that, like, you know, they don't have, like, the, the DK Metcalf, you know, per se, the big name on there, but they're, they're just deep. What do you mean by that? They got, you know, Cooper Cup coming out the slot, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, and the rookie Tutu Atwell. So, I mean, they have guys that can get it done anywhere on the field, any given time. You got Deshaun Jackson, who's one of the greatest deep threats in NFL history. Facts. Joining the team. So, you know, that'll be a nice new spark for Sean McVay in this offense. And another reason why I put them in this top 10 is just because the offense that they do run will allow them to get the best out of each of these receivers. And Robert Woods, you know, he claims himself to be um, the most well-rounded wide receiver in the league. I, I definitely disagree with that claim, but still puts them at number nine on this list. And then number eight, put the Cleveland Browns. Ooh, the Brownies. Yeah, you know, I, I got some backlash uh, from a couple of people about this for having them so low at number eight. Some people were like, oh, man, they're like top five for sure. And, you know, they got Odell. They got Jarvis. They got Donovan Peoples-Jones. They got two tight ends with Austin Hooper and David Njoku. And, you know, they got Rashad Higgins. You know, they they got talent and they got the high-end names as well. But the one thing they don't have is production. We haven't seen them put it all together. And the offense doesn't really run you know, through through the air like that. They they feed the ground game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Obviously, you're going to do that. Yeah. Nick Chubb's one of the better running backs in this league as well. So I just feel like since the fact that Odell's been injured and, you know, him and Jarvis haven't been able to, like, stay, you know, on the field for 16 games a year, I feel like eight was a respectable place to put them there. What do you think about that? I'm curious. Mm, as far as, like, just with their place or with the core in general? No, with, with the whole thing, yeah. With the whole thing? Okay. Um, with the Browns... Yes, because they haven't been able to necessarily put it together, I might have moved them down just maybe one slot just for me, only because they haven't put it together. And it was with – when they did do better, it was without Odell. And so I don't know necessarily what the formula – well, hopefully they figure it out because their receiving core is too good to let it go to waste like that, right? But I don't know what it's going to be. I just I just literally just don't know what it is. I hope for the best. Like speaking okay, speaking of everything works out, they can if everything works out and meshes well and everything et cetera et cetera, they can rank higher than that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Now they can definitely rank even higher than that. But as far as what they did last year and then without Odell, they don't necessarily run the ball. I mean, they don't not run the ball, pass the ball, it doesn't really run through the air like that. Mm. I can maybe put swap them with the Rams just because now they have um, Matthew Stafford. I almost kind of gave him on Matthew Stafford, not going to lie. Not saying that he's not a good quarterback, but just because you play on a bad team for so long, we see bad teams can't diminish talent. We've seen it happen a lot. So, But him um, just seeing the reports and what they're saying, like what he's doing for the team and what he can do, and they, it's like he still got it and they really won and how much they sacrificed for him, 
I'm going to trust the coaches and the GMs say, well, they probably know more about Matthew Stafford than I do. So I think he can probably make that uh, those receivers explode a lot more than what they were doing before this team. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason I would probably flip him, just because I don't know what the Browns can do, and I think Matthew Stafford is better uh, with this team than he was with the Lions. Yeah, Matthew Stafford, I mean, the one thing he's, like, usually had, even in Detroit, was at least a decent receiving core. So we can see that he's at least going to put up numbers and everything. Now that he has just the overall better team with the defense and stuff, I think the Rams are, you know, definitely going to be a lot better than any Lions team he's ever been a part of. Exactly. At number seven, got the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh. Yes. And what really makes this this, this core so good is the fact that they just have a top-tier duo. Adam Thielen and that young man, Justin Jefferson, out here breaking Randy Moss's record. That's a guy. 1,400 yards receiving as a rookie. And then, like, Adam Thielen, he had himself, you know, a down year, per se. Mm. What, 925 yards and 14 touchdowns, which was good for third in the league? Yeah. They really don't get much better than that. Like, hey, though, they're even going to get even better because the way that offense runs, they kind of run the same thing as the – Browns, you know, a lot of run heavy stuff. You know, Kirk is really, really good off play action. So I feel like that's just going to open up even more. And we we saw that happen with Justin Jefferson. You know, you get him, you know, moving across the middle of the field and allow him to separate like the way he does on such a high level. He's going to continue to put up buku yardage. I don't think he'll put up 1,400 again this year because I think he's going to get more attention. And Definitely. I think but I think Adam Thielen's going to step up and have another 1,000-yard season. I think they're both going to be over the 1,000-yard threshold. Mm. And then Irv Smith at tight end. He's a good uh, athletic guy. He hasn't really had a chance yet. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was there. He just uh, left. I believe he went to the Giants. So Irv Smith is kind of that guy that I feel like is going to be able to step up and become, we'll, we'll say maybe a top 10 tight end this year, honestly. Okay. I, I necessarily haven't paid that much attention to him. I really didn't think he was. But if you see that in him, man, yeah, he, we'll see. He, yeah, I, I would classify him as one of the more uh, up-and-coming tight ends because the tight end position is, you know, there's like, two or three like really good tight ends and they're so top heavy and then after that like it almost could be like oh one person's gonna say that you know Mark Andrews is the fourth or fifth best tight end and you know somebody might be like oh you know Dallas Goddard is up and coming and he might be better than him and then some people are like well he's still not better than Zach Ertz you know there's just a lot of like volatility in the tight end position so I think Irv Smith uh, this year just with all the attention that's gonna go to Dalvin Cook and then the two guys outside I feel like he's gonna be poised for a big year this year for sure okay and then at number six, this is where, you know, things things okay. had to get changed because the Titans, they went Ooh. from maybe like a bottom three, four unit instantly into the top ten now. Hmm. I couldn't quite put them in the top five, but Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are going to be the most dynamic duo in the NFL. I'm calling it right now. I'm with it. Yeah, I think that the fact that A.J. Brown – idolizes Julio, that means he's going to be open to learning. Mm-hmm. And A.J. Brown has already, you know, progressed and he's gotten better in his first couple seasons. Man, he learns from Julio. Who knows where that offense is going to go? I mean, they're one of those, you know, run-heavy teams as well. And I noticed that. I was like, man, like, how, how do some of these teams that have such, like, good receiving cores, like, there's they, they that's not their focus. That's not how yeah. they run their offense. You know, they're pounding and grounding, like, still, like, but, hey, you know, Derrick Henry, I mean, he's going to get you have 400 to. touches you this have year. You have to. You have yeah, to. Yeah. But that just means now that offense is going to level up. Whether, you know, you, you you try to stack the box, yeah, good luck. You're going to leave A.J. Brown and Julio Jones one-on-one. Sad day for you. Well, guess what? Now you want to 
play light, they're just going to run through your throat. So I feel like that's just going to open up the ability for this passing game even more. I'm curious about the rest of your list because I had the Titans at number five. Mm. I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Five. This is where it starts getting juicy. Okay. Got the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. See, I had them at number four. So I'm trying to see who, who, who where's the missing piece. All no, right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, we'll get to that. But, yeah, I just want to go over the Cardinals real quick. You know, D-Hop. They brought yeah. in A.J. Green, which I don't think is, like, the biggest step up. You know, he's an aging veteran, this and that. Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, and the rookie Roundale Moore. I feel like that's just a lot of young athletic talent that they're going to be able to do so much in that air raid offense. I feel like Kyle, Kyler Murray is just going to continue to get better, and then they're just going to put up numbers. And when you have a top three receiver in the league, you're automatically top five. Yeah. And that's DeAndre Hopkins. So Big facts. And then at number four, I put the Dallas Cowboys. They have – Probably the, the best trio in the NFL. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, all 1,000-yard receivers. I mean, they didn't happen last year. I mean, I think if Dak would have stuck around, they, they probably all would have gone for over 1,000. Yeah. yeah. Amari Cooper's one of the best route runners in the league. CeeDee Lamb, you know, they were blessed to have him fall to where he did in the draft. And he's just going to continue to get better. He had over 900 yards last year in a rookie season. And, and Michael Gallup, man, he, he's so slept on. Like, he's not, like, the biggest and the fastest, but that dude just makes plays left and right. You know, he's put up 1,000 yards before, and I just feel like he's going to continue to get better and better. And this offense is, you know, that's the one big theme here is I looked at the scheme and the offense and Dak Prescott, you know, they're going to be very pass-happy. It's going to allow them to thrive. They have to because, I mean, Zeke has been non-existent this past season. Yeah, I mean, when you're only averaging, like, four yards a carry with Zeke, and he's he got, like— Barely 900 yards, I think, Bro, this year. Barely, like, literally barely scraped by. And Zeke, one, okay, side note, I think I took it personal with Zeke. I had him on my fantasy, and he cost me. He cost oh, me, yeah, hey, there man, you go. He cost he, me some games. Hey, man, he cost me some games, man. Like, okay, okay, I got emotional. I had to calm down. Yeah, those five fumbles did, did, did Bro, you wrong right there. Bro, what? Like, I, I nobody pick up Zeke this year. Yeah, there I said it. Okay, because <laughs> – you believe in him, you believe in somebody, and then he just let you down, man. It's I don't know, it's a different kind of hurt. But go ahead, go ahead. My fault. I'm cutting you off from me. It's bliss, man. Hey, no, hey, <laughs> hey, we're we're here to discuss it. You know, that's why we're here. So at number three, I think this is where I got you. This is where we're, where okay, we're going to defer. This, okay. The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> All right, you know, okay. Uh, all right. All right. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk I'm about it. I'm explain go myself real okay, quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Some people are thinking the Buffalo Bills. Bills. What? What? Yeah. All right, well, let, me, let me break it down for you. Go. Stephon Diggs led the NFL in receiving last year with 127 catches, 1,535 yards. Dude is the, the best route runner in the league. You know, he he can win at every level. I mean, this dude's deep route running isn't crazy. I mean, I know I had the whole video of him when he was in uh, Minnesota, like turning Richard Sherman around on like a post uh, corner route. I mean, <clears throat> that man can get it done. I mean, he can do it intermediately. He can win at the line. He can, you know, run them slants and drags. He can get off the press quickly. Like, I mean, he's just, he is that guy. He is one of the most slipped on receivers in this league, and he has been for a while. Okay. And then Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley has been one of the best slots in this league for at least a handful of years now. And that is very, very valuable. The fact that Josh Allen can drop back, if he doesn't like what he he sees, he knows that he's got Cole Beasley on an option route, and they're going to be on the same page almost every single time. You know, he had a career year last year with over 900 yards, and I just don't really think that there was much stopping them last year. And then they added again this year by adding Emmanuel Sanders, who came over from the Saints. And Emmanuel Sanders is one of those people that's, you know, explosive. He can push the push it down the field a little bit more. He's more of a vertical guy and intermediate dude. But 
they're going to be disgusting. And Josh Allen has arm talent, like crazy arm he talent. Does. That dude can throw, and he's kind of put it together. So I feel like with Josh Allen progressing and this receiver core getting better than even what it was last year, and they had, you know, one of the better duos in the league last year. I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to be stopped. And Gabriel Davis is a, a very slept on uh, second year player now. He had over 500 yards just as like a you know medial guy. Mm. That's probably going to come up this year because Stephon Diggs is going to be getting a lot more attention. The same thing with Cole Beasley. Okay. The only thing I problem I had with Buffalo Bills is because now this year it's going to be a real season. Like not last year was a COVID season, and now you're going to have everybody's going to be back on the team. Now you're going to have the Patriots. Not saying that they're going to run the division. I'm not necessarily sure, but I'm not too too confident in that just yet. But their defense is going to be back. They had like I think 11. Oh, was it 11? Uh, 11 players missing from a uh, total of both sides of the team. Uh, but over half of that 11 were from defense, and so now all those guys are coming back. I don't think the Bills are going to have the exact same success that they had th- uh, this past year because one, they took every- it was a COVID year. A lot of teams didn't get to practice. A lot of teams, it was it was just a lot going on for all intents and purposes. But the better teams are going to be fully stacked now. Not only that, they've seen your bag of tricks. They've seen what you've done because actually they had to pull out some of them and they had to kind of go into the back to beat some of these teams when they were at their weaker weaker points. And so that's the only reason I'm saying that I don't think. I wouldn't put the Bills at number, what, three? Mm-hmm. I had the Cowboys at number three. Not only that, Dak is going to be back. Their division sucks. And so that's why I think they're going to have more success than them. Now, as far as talent base and how it should work in a perfect world, uh, what they should be doing, I probably would agree with you. But I'm just looking at like some of the, what, what their division is going to look like and the success they're going to have there. Mm-hmm. That's like the kind of factor. From, that's like the one factor that kind of changes the uh, order for me. Because mm-hmm. I had uh, my – let me look at my list one more time. I had the Titans at number five. I had Arizona at number four. I had the Cowboys at number three. And, I mean, do you want me to go up to my second and first or you want to wait till then? No, no, you can go ahead. Okay, okay. I had the Chiefs at number two and I had the Bucks at number one. Um, that's fair. I got one quick question. Go ahead. Who would you rather have, Amari Cooper or Stephon Diggs? Depends. Depends. Mm. Depends. Amari Cooper, here's the difference between Amari Cooper and Stephon Diggs. Amari Cooper is a very strong route runner. Stephon Diggs is, and I guess here's the difference what I'm trying to make. Stephon Diggs can get it done everywhere. Now, here's what I'm trying to say about Amari Cooper. He's a strong route runner, but here's the one thing. He's a blocking receiver. He can do a lot more for you. Amari Cooper, can. he benched 400 pounds coming out of college. I forgot what he did in his combine for his uh, for his bench press, but I know it was pretty it was pretty high. Yeah. What I'm trying to make is he brings a little bit more diversity to your offense than Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is just a go get it receiver, which I mean that's what his his position calls for. You know, if you're a passing team, yeah. But if you're like the Cowboys, you you were run heavy, but you know because of Zeke and his issues, he's just not he's just not doing it for you right now. Mm-hmm. You've become more of a passing team. He's still a great receiver. He can go run. He's fast. He's not slow. He's a deep threat and he's a mid threat. Whatever you need him to be. But if you if the game calls for a run game, he can block from the outside. He can get you an outside run game as well. Versus Stephon Diggs isn't necessarily. He's not gonna go block a linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's not him. He'll block your corner, but don't ask him to go go run head first inside trying to yeah. block your outside linebacker. You know. My, my only pushback with that is Amari Cooper. 
does not have that dog mentality in him. Even though he might be like physical, you know, he might be like more solid, bigger than like Stefan Diggs. But this dude, Amari Cooper, like, and this is coming from one of my good friends who's a huge Cowboys fan. This dude knows everything about them in and out. Amari Cooper, like, quits on this team so much. He'll literally just check himself out of a ball game. Mm hmm. Like, for, for no reason. Like, he'll just be like, you know, I don't feel like playing right now. Or then, like, when he gets tackled, he takes forever to get up. It's like he's, like, on his own time. I don't mm. feel like he's, like, much of a team player. He hasn't shown – he hasn't shown, like, much enthusiasm to, like, be there. It's like almost he's like Kawhi. He's just going to kind of do his thing. It's like, yeah, I'm here. You're going to take what you get out of me type deal. So, I just think Stefan Diggs is um just a better overall receiver. But, okay. I mean, I, I, I understand your side of that, though. And speaking on that, now – that, that, okay, when as a player, there's no excuse to be to be that kind of way. But that can also point to a, a bunch of other things. Since you brought the Kawhi situation, Kawhi did all well. He did all those things well back with the Spurs, mm. right? Because he didn't want to be there. Now I don't know what Mark Cooper's mind. I'm not his whatever. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, that can point to a many different things. We've also we said Mike McCarthy it, it probably shouldn't have been the head coach of the Cowboys, but he is. We don't know. I don't know. If that points to his relationship with the coach, like he doesn't want to play for him, I don't know if that speaks to his relationship with one of his teammates. I will say this. That's, that is no excuse to do that with everybody because your play doesn't only affect the person you don't like. It affects everybody else on the team. Yeah, especially when you're one of the highest paid receivers in the league making $20 million a year. Like, I just – yeah, you're the fourth – yeah, Cooper's going to be the fourth highest paid receiver next year at $20 million. Like, I – that I like him as a player, but that, that's just one thing about him that I just I, I can't get down with. Okay, now, and are we are we speaking on this list just on paper, or is it like? Well, I'm like projecting about like what's going to happen in the 2021 season because like mm-hmm. on paper that like the Browns would probably be like yeah. e- easily like top four then, mm. and you know some teams like you know like let's say. The Bills, like, you know, they they don't have the, the sexiest names after Stephon Diggs. Like, Cole Beasley, it's like, oh, yeah, you got some short little, like, white slot receiver. Like, ooh, that's so, like, ooh. And then it's like, oh, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, all right, yeah, he's, like, been in the league for, like, 10 years. Like, all right, so what? But it's, like, what they can do versus, like, what they have done mixed with, like, what, you know, the expectations of the offense coming into the mm-hmm. 2021 season. So that's kind of, like, my formula and how I put it together. Okay. And uh, also for me, I can't remember his name. I'm forgetting his name just like that. Uh, number 88, um, Cowboys. Oh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. There we go. So I think C.D. Lamb is going to have a great year. If Dak comes when, – when Dak comes back, mm-hmm. if he stays healthy. He was already trending in the right direction. He's – we saw his route running. He's a great receiver. He was the number one receiver ranked in his draft. And so I think he's going to be a huge factor for them, not only just to uh, push the team as far as their passing game because that's probably what they're going to have to rely on if Zeke doesn't change whatever's going on with him. Mm-hmm. They're gonna that passing game is gonna just evolve to another point because Dak has been showing us more and more that he's not he's not Zeke's second. Zeke is his second. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's I, that's my thing with the Cowboys. The Chiefs. We don't even need to speak on the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they've just been blessed with Tyreek Hill and. Travis Kelsey, like honestly, or Kels, yeah. since we know now, yeah. finally after all these years, you know, uh, Jason Kelson, Travis Kels, that just just doesn't even sound right. Yeah, man. but yeah, I mean, those two are solidified Hall of Famers. You know, Tyreek Hill, one of the best deep threats of all time. You got Travis Kelsey, who's the first and only 
tight end in NFL history to have over a thousand yards in five straight years. And then on top of that, you know, they got good depth with Miko Hartman and, you know, Cornell Powell from the draft this year. And they got Demarcus Robinson coming back. So, and we've seen what they can do with Patrick Mahomes. Like they have chemistry and they make things happen. So that's, there's, we don't need to say nothing else about them really. They, they won the Super Bowl last year and the year before that. And so, I mean, what, I yeah, mean, they're 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 yeah. almost unguardable like they're that. Really, literally that. But the team that I would say that is just this much, much better more yeah. <laughs> is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have the deepest and nastiest like just group I have seen you could, you in so long. You could make a Madden group better than what they have. Yeah, because you have your perfect like prototypical X wide receiver. And you got the big boy Mike Evans, who he's one of the. Better receivers, receivers. Like, and that dude has actually been slept on for so long since since being drafted in twenty four yeah twenty fourteen he's put up a thousand yards every single season so he's consistent he's going out there unless he's going against Marshawn Lattimore who's going to clamp him up and not even get a catch off of like I don't know if I don't know what what Marshawn Lattimore like has against Mike Evans but Man. that dude just clamps him something fierce but you know Chris Godwin who's easily a wide receiver one easily. is wide receiver number two on this team and then where it just gets even worse. Antonio Brown. You had him coming off the bench <laughs> as your third receiver. Like th- that's that's what makes this team so dynamic and so scary is that you got Antonio Brown, who you know in the 2010s was the best the receiver. Best. He he was better than the Julio best. Jones statistically. He had the right. most catches, most yards, most touchdowns within like the five year span that we've like ever seen. So I really don't think he's disputing that. Yeah, he had his off the field issues and you know the whole thing that happened with the Raiders and this and that in the fourth, but. He's come to Tampa, and he's meant business. Caught a, mm-hmm. routed up to Tyron Matthew, caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like, he's there. And then you got Scotty Miller, who's just a fast, deep threat. He's getting even better. But the Bucks just have the best tight end room I think we've ever Thanks. seen. You have three starting caliber tight ends on there, including a Hall of Famer and Robert Gronkowski. Like, and you got O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray, who could easily go somewhere else and go start. I know O.J. Howard, you know, had some – Tension and he wanted to get out of Tampa before, but hey, as of right now, they got three starting caliber tight ends on that roster, and then that whole group just makes them the best in the NFL, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. We agree. We look. We had the same one and two, man. Chief yeah. Second, Bucks definitely first. Because I had um, also. I mean, I don't know. Man. I think I got bad draft luck because I had OJ Howard on my uh, on my list too for my fantasy, but he ended up getting injured and yeah, cost me a spot. But anyway, but yeah, man. No, the sounds Bucks, like it was a bad year for fantasy. It was just a bad. Year, it was man. just a bad. Man, it was a bad year, man. I thought I won with Zeke, man. I was like, okay, that was man. your first pick. Uh, he went uh, okay. Yes, he was my first pick. Well, I, mean, yeah. I, I can't blame you for that. Like, yeah, especially if you had. Pick. Yeah. Like, my first pick. Do you know what pick you had? I had, uh, I can't remember. I think I had. Like, ish? Like, I think I had pick number nine, if I remember right. Oh, oh, yeah. If you're picking, like, that lane in the first, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I got to go. Yeah, I yeah. Go good value there. Yeah, for sure. But, yes, I mean, that was my top ten. I mean, mostly the things that we, you know, disagreed on was, like, what, like, the Titans being, you know, I got them at six, you had them at five. five yeah. And then it's like flipping the Cowboys, you know, mm-hmm. like, so yeah, I, I think I'm pretty accurate, right? Yeah, we went too, no, no, you're pretty accurate, man. We went too far off, man. Look, and just speaking because I know you, I know you do a lot more in-depth research than I do into this stuff. So, no, no, man, I'm pretty much with you on, like, the only team I didn't agree with was the uh, Bills. Yeah. And you made a great point uh, towards them anyway. So, but no, nah, that's been off our receiver list. Yeah, yeah. If y'all want to go ahead and read the article, y'all can go check it out on my website, evanshumardportfolio.weebly.com. 
Oh, and shout out your socials too. Oh yeah, my, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Evan Schumard TV. That's S H U M A R D, and y'all can follow me on IG at Evan One Eight. Follow us on Twitter at The Break Room H O U H O U. Man, tons of. And follow us on Instagram at the Podcast. So man, we'll be back in a few minutes. Man, take it easy. Welcome back to the break room. This is your boy Evan Schumard here with Charles Carter. Don't forget the third. We're going to go ahead and get into some Houston Astros talk here because there's been a lot going on with the Astros, man. They've been fighting around in their division, you know, 58 wins on the year. Jose Altuve celebrated his 10th year anniversary of his MLB debut with the Houston Astros and crazy it's been a while man Bro, i don't know it's been that long i was already. looking at the picture that they have posted on like um their 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 twitter account and he was in there wearing the old pinstripe ones with the mm. maroon and stuff i'm like man, man it's really been that been long. long yeah like time's flying out here man I'm, I'm getting old but um one specific thing i really wanted to get into with the astros is the their their star players and i know they've been receiving just all the hate in the world from every nice. ballpark they go to you know fans are giving it to them Every single night, whether they're at home or on the road. But there's still no excuse to have the, the hitting slump that they're having. We're going to start off with uh, Jose Altuve. In the last 15 games, this man has played some of his worst baseball. And, mm. you know, yeah, he had the walk-off home run that looked good. You know, he had some more highlight plays, you know. But overall, he's just not been as consistent as he he ever has been. 62 at-bats. He's given us 11 strikeouts. Five home runs, which is great, mm-hmm. and 14 RBI. So it's like he, he he's giving it to you at the high end sometimes. He, you're still getting that out of him, which you would expect because he's one of the better hitters in the MLB. But he's been batting 226, which is a... Hey, yo, what the fuck? Especially when you're a career 309 hitter, like, yeah. that's... That's just something we're just not used to seeing from Jose Altuve. Like, even on his, like, worst times, we would see him bat, you know, 275, 280. Now, that, that's a down year. Batting, like I said, 226 now is just just something we're just not used to seeing. And it, it's seemed to rub off on Carlos Correa even worse. In the last 15 games, he's had 51 at-bats. He's batting 118, which is the worst thing I think I've ever yes. seen in, in my life from him. I don't know what is going on with him. He struck out 22 times, only has one home run and four RBIs in 15 games. And he's the five hitter. Like he's supposed to be the guy bringing in runs. You know, he's got a big bat and we just haven't seen it. And honestly, I don't know whether it's just the, the atmosphere of all these fans getting to them or, you know, maybe, maybe they need the trash cans to get beaded again to figure out how to get their bats going. But yeah, 226 from Altuve and Correa with 118 is just, I'm at a loss for words for it. It's, it, it's horrible. I don't know, man. It could be something about just the, where they are mentally because, um, like, that big of a slump, like, to go 118 for Correa, nobody even could have predicted that on their worst year. You know what I mean? Like, even if something, like, terribly was going on, it's like 118. It's like, that's that's a very I'm new to this kind of number. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I haven't done this in a while. I'm coming out of retirement kind of kind of hitting average. Like, for somebody like somebody like Correa, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly what you said. It's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, then the, 
the crazy thing is they're they're still at the top of their division. They're three games up on the A's right now. Like I said, they've got 58 wins, 39 losses. I mean, they still got one of the better records in the AL, but if they keep playing like this, that there's no way they're going to continue to trend that well. They 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 got to get their bats going, and it starts off with their two best players. You know, you get paid the most money, you get all the jersey sales. You know, you're the guys catching all the scrutiny from, you know, the 2017 World Series, and y'all were the dudes that performed and delivered, and everybody's going to continue to expect that. And when you don't, people are just going to look at him and be like, hmm, maybe y'all, you know, were cheating or this and that. You know, yeah. Well, that, that's a, that's a whole other discussion for another day. But yeah, we would just like to see more out of the. The stars for the Astros. Man, hopefully they'll get out of it too. So, speaking of stars, Conor McGregor, man, that guy, Sleepy McGregor, it hurt. Conor McGregor, what you doing? <laughs> man, the, that that one hurt. The, yeah, the, that 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 hurt personally. Like, I was so hyped. I'm a huge Conor fan. I said this last time coming on the show. I was like, yeah, well, I'm I'm ready for this. You know, he about to rock Poirier, but man, he was getting pieced up in the first round to begin with. Like, it's just, as that fight was going on, I was like, bro, is he going to make it out the round? Man, the way it was happening at 1-1, the crazy thing about McGregor, he said earlier uh, before the fight, he said, oh, it's not a win unless it's by knockout. You know, submissions don't count. But then he was going for takedowns, which was crazy. Like, he was trying to get— Which is definitely not his game. game. Exactly. And so, yeah, man, I think— I think when he got hit the first few times, that woke him up. He was like, oh, 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 we really yeah, went fighting, fighting. back to life. Like, yeah. But the main thing I wanted to even speak about, even just outside of the fight, was that Dustin Poirier made about a million in UFC 264. A million dollars. Great. That's a nice check. That's, a good, that's, that's, some, that's some pretty good money, right? Here's the contrary report. Logan Paul and his Mayweather fight was guaranteed about $250,000 just to show up. And also 10% of pay-per-view money. Now, if you're wondering how much money that is, how much money he ended up making, they it was some surmised around five million dollars. Logan Paul is an amateur boxer. Now they did prove he does have a boxing license. You know he's been registered and all that, et cetera, et cetera. But he made about five million dollars in an exhibition match, which nobody predicted him him to win. Nobody, nobody in the right mind would have picked Logan Paul to win. So he was paid five million dollars to go in there, get beat, and lose. Ooh. Dustin Poy is an actual fighter with actual professional wins and actual headlines under his belt, and he made one million max. Okay, he was also paid twenty one thousand dollars just to show up. All together with pay per view money and all that, one mil. Now you think it okay? You know. Um, He's not he's not the main guy. Well, talk about Connor. You know, talk about how much he made. You know, even though UFC, you know, UFC is never going to make how much his boxing is because you know UFC is under a company umbrella. Boxing is more you know management of one, management of the other, and you see what you can do just off namesake and name base, whatever, right? So Connor McGregor made eleven thousand in fight week incentives just to show up, basically just to show up and do the weigh in, all that, all that, all this stuff, and five mil to fight. Because, one, the the fight ended because he got injured, and then those who don't know, he slipped, and I think he, what, broke his, um, something on his leg. Yeah, he, like, broke his ankle, like, Anchor. his tibia, like, area. He, I, I think what happened was, it either happened for one or two things. Either he was, because he was kicking a lot. I mean, yeah. we all know he, I mean, if you watch 
Conor McGregor, he 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 was with the hands and he's gonna kick you. He's got that karate stance. He's he's wide. He's he's ready to throw some strikes and he he throws them hard too. Mm. So like Poirier was kind of checking a couple of them and he seemed cool. But then at one point Conor got on the ground and for like a whole minute straight he was basically just on his shoulders, on his back, kicking up. And Poirier was trying to move around. You know he wouldn't like let him close the space and stuff. And I think that might have happened in, during there because he was kicking a lot. Because after that point when he got up, he just didn't have the same like posture. He didn't seem mm. like he was like holding his weight the same and. Then, uh, as we all saw, he stepped back, and then that it was a that, that image that is just scarred in everybody's brain. Yeah, like part of his shins touching the floor, like yeah. where his like foot should have been, and then this oh, other man. part of his foot just dangling on the side of the mat. And it was disgusting. Yeah, and then he just went straight down, and it it it, it hurt to watch physically. Because yeah. you know, and a a gruesome injury like that is never never cool to watch. But then it also hurt you know emotionally because I thought I thought this was gonna be Connor's time to rebound and rejuvenate his career, but it's not looking like it anymore. And to your point of you know the whole Logan Paul getting paid so much more than Dustin Poirier, and it does come down to the nature of the sport, like you said. But the fact that he fought. Because Logan Paul has a large following. Like, whether we think he's a good fighter or not, like, he does have a large following. This dude's been on, like, Vine, I think is where he started out. And then, you know, he's blew up on YouTube and everything. So, you know, he, he has a large following. And then he fought, you know, the greatest boxer of our generation. So, like, obviously Mayweather's going to come with, with a lot of money. And everything about Mayweather is money. You know, money team for a reason is why they call him that. So, Poirier... He should have gotten more off rip by fighting Connor because mm-hmm. yeah, Connor is like kind of like the same thing for like the UFC as Mayweather is for boxing. He he's the face of he's, it. he's the, the guy. big guy. He's gonna come through and he's like, I'm gonna break my previous record of like, oh like my pay per view did this. All right, in the next fight I'm gonna break that. And so he's he owns like I think four of the most uh, viewed UFC matches yeah. of all time. So to get that much money and then just go out that fast. I don't know. I just. Yeah, it, 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 it was just a bad fight. I mean, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they should fight again. I think it's kind of just done with. Poirier's obviously got the better of McGregor, and uh, McGregor, I believe, is out of his prime of fighting. Yeah, uh, definitely, he'll return like he said he would. But like I said, uh, last episode we did, I spoke about because I said McGregor on was on our hot list because he has taken he had five losses at that point. Now has six. He has managed to keep his name relevant because usually how the UFC does is once you rack up a certain amount of losses or you've lost in a main event, uh, like a, a huge headliner, they're kind of done with you. You know what I mean? Not necessarily done, but you won't really, you, you're not going to be that guy again, you know? But Conor McGregor has managed to keep his name in the limelight and he's still their main attraction now that Khabib is retired, right? So he's managed to stay the guy. The main thing, one of the main things I wanted to get to is that. I spoke about the well, – I'm going to speak about the worth – the UFC is worth itself around 9 to $10 billion, right? The most lucrative franchise just in sports is the Dallas Cowboys. They're worth about $5.7 billion. So now thinking of the UFC, the UFC isn't broken up into – well, of course you have weight classes, right? Mm. But you get paid for fights. You get paid for headliners. Average pay for a main headliner – is around you're not really breaking a hundred thousand dollars. You're around ninety five, ninety six, ninety six thousand. You know that's about average. You know, but for guys like Connor, you know, you of course you're gonna break. You know, you're gonna get higher because. But there aren't too many guys like Connor. Mm-hmm. There's only one of them. Other guys, you know, if you don't, if you know, a tentative watcher of UFC, you're not gonna really know anybody outside of Connor and whoever he's fighting. After that, it's like oh, you gotta go read. You gotta go Google whoever you need to. 
whoever's fighting. Yeah. So I guess the and the main thing is or main issue, high contact sports are getting less money, right? Combative sports. You have UFC, boxing really doesn't have the issue, but you got football. And now you have less contact sports are getting a lot of money. You got basketball, you got baseball, you got, um, I guess, if you want to go into other sports now, though, you into Olympic stuff with that, and that's a completely different, uh, that's a completely different element added oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, totally different. So... I guess the main things we can just stay on is just basketball and baseball, right? Well, even though those enter through Olympics too, but um, they're under a company umbrella versus the other ones are more so just that athlete, their revenue and what their namesake can bring, you know, how their name can bring them more money. Mm-hmm. The breakdown is how can, where's the where's the money actually like going? Where does it all go to? Because if it's all being put forth by the fighter and whoever the manager is and I guess UFC you have Dana White who's kind of orchestrating everything like what is the money necessarily like what is it what is it doing yeah I just think the ownership is the, the, the ownership in different leagues you can tell how it is and how like player driven it is by based off like the percentages that they mm-hmm. get so it's like NBA players like you said they're not a contact a high super high contact sport same mm-hmm. thing with MLB they they're the two highest paid per average mm-hmm. sports at least in America they are so you know they're a lot more player friendly and then you get into like the more I'm gonna call them like conservative I'm not talking about like politically like yeah, just yeah. how they run their yeah, yeah, yeah. their uh, wow. their leagues like the NFL and UFC are very conservative that fact that it's like all very owner driven and like yeah UFC like you got a couple faces that drive things like Connor like you mm-hmm. were saying and now you know you got uh, the Nigerian nightmare coming out here, you know, slapping heads and stuff. Like, there, there, there's a lot of names that are coming out, but Dana White, I feel like, just takes too much of a cut at the end of the day. Like, if, if Poirier's coming out here and giving him one of the bigger fights in UFC history and he gets a mill? Barely scraping a mill. Yeah, like, I feel like Connor should, I mean, I don't know if Connor, I mean, prob- Connor probably would have still took the fight if you gave him less money, but I feel like they just still got to give more money or give like a bigger incentive to where if you win, especially with these pay-per-view things, because if you're fighting Connor, Connor has the five highest paid per view events in UFC history. So he's got five out of the top mm. six too as well. Exactly. So like he's this this dude is gonna do numbers every single time. So you know that they're gonna be able to generate revenue and they have sponsorship and this and that. I just don't understand why they don't get more of a cut in the UFC. I mean I just I think it just comes down to how it's ran and how Dana White and his people cut the ticket and I, I don't think it's fair. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's not fair. And the re- and it's a really an overall system, really, just created by owners and management and all that. And the way to bring down the system is more so by, this is for the people who don't like Connor. Connor always talks about his money, how much he's making, how much he's going to get, and how much he's trying to make. Well, the way you make more for yourself and kind of bring back, bring down the overall system as a athlete or player or whatever title you might have, or, you know, employee, employee title you might have, let me say that, is have more people like Connor. Have more people like LeBron. Have more, and not saying even LeBron is just even so money hungry. He's not the kind of guy. Yeah, they, they they just drive the league. They just drive the league. Have more league drivers, not necessarily people who fall into the cut and fall into this space and kind of just do what they you know and just take whatever comes. Connor breaks the mold. Mayweather breaks the mold. LeBron breaks the mold. Although they all do it in different ways, but they find ways to give themselves not only make more money for themselves, but whoever is involved with them, fight, game, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll say, I did say the NBA is a different story because it's under a company umbrella. 
versus uh, these other uh, combative sports who are just kind of like there necessarily isn't real management. It's kind of like one-on-one namesake kind of brings the money, et cetera, et cetera. But you need more guys uh, who are willing to kind of be out there and build their own personality as far as social media goes. You probably make more money for yourselves. The more people can be in touch, the more they can recognize you. The more notoriety you have as an athlete. It's hard player. to do that in the UFC, though. Honestly, like it, people don't stay on top for too too long. Exactly. Like you know, Connor had his little three year run back mm-hmm. in like 2014 to like 2017 when he was like the premier dude. Like he was unbeatable. It seemed mm-hmm. like, and then after that, it was like Khabib came through, had his little year two run, and this and that. Like if you want to look at the women's side, Ronda Rousey was like yeah, that girl Ronda for Rousey a while, and then Holly Holmes. Thing. Yeah, kicked her in the face and that completely went downhill. And then you had Cyborg come out and man, oh god, I can't remember the other girl's name. Um, yeah, Amanda Nunez, like she was crazy. But it's like the landscape and the the best fighters are constantly changing, which is mm. great for the sport because it keeps it fresh and you know you don't get too complacent. You don't have what you're Tom Brady per se to sit there and run the whole league for 20 years like that's just not how it works UFC you get a lot of new fresh faces people coming in coming out changing weight classes and stuff so I mean it's a little harder to build that type of recognition but it's also like a positive thing for the sport so it's like a little you know give and go right there Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah. and I get this it is a difficult thing to do it's hard to stay relevant once you've taken a loss because people kind of lose interest the euphoric air air around you has gone if you like lose on it yeah, especially if you lose like back to back, yeah, and you're probably not going to get another like title fight. Yeah, but we've seen it. We've seen it with Connor. You know what I mean? Not saying that they're just Connors walking around everywhere, but yeah. uh, people can like what I'm saying is people can adopt some of his ways or tactics that he mm-hmm. uses to kind of stay in the limelight. Now, I'm not saying go around be cocky and say you can beat everybody when you clearly can't, but um, eh, something to that effect. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, ha- have that 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 strive as a businessman that he has. Exactly. They they, they get some more of them. Then, hey, UFC, I mean, it's obviously grown so much even in the last, like, 20 years. Like, God knows what it's going to be like in another 15, 20 years. Exactly. I think the lack of boxing also contributed to the growth of UFC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Floyd, I mean, at least, uh, what was he? Uh, Was he a welterweight? Yeah. Yeah, so he he ran that whole thing. I mean, him and Pacquiao, you know, they had their little fight, and that kind of settled that. But, like, it just seems like there's always just, like, one huge face that drives it. And I feel like, for UFC's sake, if they get more – like, like Khabib was great. Dustin Poirier is good. Like, you get people that are, like, you know, not afraid to speak up. Derek Lewis, you know, mm-hmm. Houston local guy, you know, he's one of the better heavyweights out there, too. And Francis Ngakwe, like I said, the Nigerian nightmare. Like, they, they have dudes that could drive it, but – they're just, just, just not there yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll do it all for UFC, man. Moving on to who's hot, who's not. I think we only got one apiece, right? Which one you want to go first? Uh, let's start with who's hot. Go ahead, man. Let us know. Hey, that young man, Giannis. Giannis, easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think much needs to be said about him. You know, we started off the show with him and what he did in the finals, you know. Especially just game six, 50 points, 14 rebounds. Shot Ooh. amazing from the free throw, Ooh. which we don't see very often. Again, that was 17 to 19 from the charity strike for him and five blocks. So that man is who is hot. Now I'm going to ask you a quick question. Who's not? It's got to be CP3, man. Christopher Paul. Chris Paul is on the who's not list. Chris Paul was being recognized as one of the top five point guards of all time. Isaiah Thomas said, "I he said I count myself so lucky to be even, you know, compared to somebody like you." But now that he has lost the finals, after being up two zero, up two zero, and they were thrashing them in those games, like this, it, it, 
Yeah, he came out. I think he dropped like 32 game one. It was yeah. like, oh, okay, like okay, we're about Chris, to see it come yeah. out of Chris. Like I think I came on here and was like, hey, th- th- this could be it. You know, like this is the guy. Yeah, he, hey, he, 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 he time he wants it. You know, yeah, he wants it. And I, you know, I went on. I remember when I went off and said, I was like, man, nobody's gonna want it more than Chris Paul, man, because he's th- how old is Chris Paul? 34, 36. Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. I know he's younger than LeBron. I think he's like a year or so younger than LeBron. Chris Paul had his one shot at the finals. And has taken a dev- – you lose four games in a row. You were up 2-0, and now – and you kind of you kind of got there when the league was at its weakest point. Like, you be- nobody expected them to beat the Lakers and LeBron in, in game – you know, in, and I say game one, uh, in round one. Yeah. You know, you knock off LeBron and AD. Then you move on to beat – who they played in the second round? Um, what the – they played the Nuggets? And then they played the, uh, the Clippers, mm. and so they really kind of ran through, ran th- ran through the West, and so to get to the finals and really, I don't were they the over, were they weren't the underdog. I don't really think they're the underdog in the series. They were kind of predicted to win, yeah. and so especially after those first two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it, it it's no harder loss you could take to lose four games in a row. That dude cannot hold a lead to save his life. He's blew multiple 3-1 leads and now a 2-0 lead in the finals like yeah man it just hurts my heart the only person I wanted to I want to have a ring more than Chris Paul before he retires is Derrick Rose yes 100% agree and and I want him to do it with the Bulls too you know but yeah, that's what that's a lot of work hey that's a lot of work man but that's that's the only person I wanted to have a ring more than anybody more than Chris Paul but if you don't want Derrick Rose to win a ring then you need to reevaluate your life because you're a hater. You have to be, man. You're a demon. Like if you don't like one Chris, if you don't want Derrick Rose to have a ring, Derrick Rose fifty points meant more than KD's ring when he won with the uh, with the Warriors. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, most definitely. Man, D Rose, man. I just remember having the shoes, bro. Man, like, I right, so I got him on a two K uh, all time like fantasy draft that I did. I picked like Hakeem. In the first round, and I picked like Derrick Rose in the second round, and man, Derrick Rose, bro. like prime vintage Pri- Derrick Rose. Rose. I'm baptizing everybody. Everybody <laughs> can get it, bro. And then like he's got good badges too. He can shoot. Like I'm green with his free throw and his shot because like I remember back in the day, like that used to be my uh, my my player's shot mm-hmm. back in like 2K12. So like, uh, I, I, if anything, I'm gonna bring him greatness. Bro. I'm gonna do it myself, bro. Any like, I'm trying to remember not just Derrick Rose, but um, it was one specific player. Oh, yeah, whenever they talked about the most athletic uh, point guard, they always talk about Russell Westbrook. And I almost get upset every time somebody says that because I'm like, no. Back in 2011, Derrick Rose exists, and he the youngest MVP ever. Yep. Ever. Don't forget it. At baptizing sinners. Like, at, how tall is Derrick Rose? 6'1"? Yeah, he's not very he's tall. He's not very tall. He's about, he's about our height, yeah. He's, bro, the, the greatness that could have been. That could have been. like. But, hey, you know what? I, I'm glad that he is um, – found like he he's come to a, like find peace with it it seems like yeah. i mean i remember one time on instagram he posted a fat like post and i read it and it was basically along the lines of like nobody comes up to you and your job be like man you know what you're not the same as what you used to be anything Ooh. but it's like he's still out there playing at a high level at the nba yeah he might not be as explosive you know hopping around as much but he's a he's a smarter player yes and ain't nothing wrong with that yeah it might not be you know giving you the sexy highlights that you like but Still a professional basketball player at the end of the day, getting it done in the NBA. So, facts, man. I couldn't agree more with you, man. And that's a great point to end. It we on. love you, Derrick Rose. We love you, Derrick. It hit the break room, man. We love you, Derrick Rose. 
Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it all for this show, man. Follow us on Twitter at the Break Room H O H O U and the Break on Instagram. Shout out to socials, man. Oh uh, yeah, y'all can go ahead and follow me on Twitter, Evan Schumard TV, and then on IG, Evan18. Alright, man, that's gonna do it all for this episode, man. Episode 20, man. Take it easy. We will see you later. Mexicano, I'm working like a Mexicano. New persona, we're moving on from Farragamo. Get the llama, I party with the real Madonna. Beat the odds, do numbers, and remain humble. Top top punches, I'm so used to this. Bugging at the pound, I'm so used to this. I know where I'm from, but I got used to this. Mansion in the hills, I got used to this. Take a booty bitches, I got used to this. This ice flooded my wrist out and got used to this. Chopper kind of bitches, I got all kind of flags. Selling dope all my life, I can't do minimum wage. Daddy, daddy, money, I got used to this. I give you my heart till it ain't nothing to give. You know how far we came if you know where we been. How many niggas you know can happen to bitch? Be honest to yourself, don't you never pretend. Don't ever play yourself, know when it all begins. I had put my back against the wall. Tell me that I don't deserve the ball. Mexicano, I'm working like a Mexicano. New persona, I'm moving on from Farragamo. Get the llama, I party with the real Madonna. Beat the odds, do numbers, and remain humble. Yeah. Top top punches, I'm so used to this. Fucking up the pound, I'm so used to this. I know where I'm from, but I got used to this. Mansion in the hills, I got used to this. Lambo come alive, man, I'm used to this. No one looks surprised, cause we used to this. I'ma make sure that we get used to this. Treat my brother's kids like they one of my kids. Never looking back on it, we did what we did. Could never find the time for the people I miss. Thought they had my back against the wall. Tell me that I don't deserve a ball. Well, then tell me who deserve it. Eyes get low, but I'm still observing. I see you lurking. Never see me out in person, I'm always working. Money on your head if you make a nigga nervous. Never made a move out here unless I was certain. Tatted on me, but the shit is deeper than the surface. I'm with everyone that I was here with in the first place. Making sure that they all good before they close the curtain. Mexicano, I'm working like a Mexicano. New persona, I'm moving on from Farragamo.